0: Welcome to the Perspectrum. I'm Nathan Seelove. And I'm Michael Bloom. And today we are joined by a very special guest. She is a fire-breathing feminist and, in her own words, a social justice warrior and also my wife, Jess Seelove. Thanks for coming on the pod, Jess.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, welcome. So today we're going to be talking about the debate, which I know is a big shock. Yeah, Mm
1: -hmm. considering it just happened. (laughs)
0: It's not like we don't ever do that. So we're basically going to be doing a similar format that we normally do, where we're going to do it candidate by candidate. And like we tried to do last time, we're going to try to talk less about the candidates that are less important and more about the candidates that are more important. It didn't completely work out that way last time (laughs) because we spent a lot of time talking about Andrew Yang, Mm -hmm. but that was because we like Andrew Yang. And it's a good thing we did because he wasn't in this debate, which is... A load of crap.
1: Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, So to be so right now, who debated? It was Biden, uh, Buttigieg, Sanders, Klobuchar, Steyer, and Warren. Hmm. There are other candidates that were not in this debate that are still in the race, which includes Yang, Gabbard, uh, Patrick, Delaney, Bloomberg, and Bennett.
2: We call Bloomberg in the debate. So no, no, he's just or not sorry in the candidate.
1: I mean, in he's the definitely there. <laughs> he's spending millions of His dollars on that. His money is ads. there. His money is definitely there. He's shown up on my Facebook he has feed. Has yeah, he's skipping. Of money. He's skipping
0: the first few primary states yep. and going directly to Super Tuesday. Which, I mean, that's a big slap in the face to people that live in the early primary early states. Early primary states. Yeah. A few of which are swing states.
1: So we're going to talk about, obviously, the people that debated, because that's the whole subject of today. But if you're interested in the other candidates, if you're still wanting to hear about them, they're still out there. They're still going around and talking to people. So those are the other people that you might want to have on your radar, um, especially Yang. Go learn about Yang. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why did certain candidates come in and certain candidates fall out, it's particularly Yang? Because he was polling similar to Klobuchar. He's got a lot of different uh, – he's got a lot of – um Uh, donations and so these were the the qualifications for attending this debate so they needed to meet both the polling and the fundraising numbers and they had to get um it's a little bit convoluted but i'll try to break it down so for polling they had to make five percent in at least four dnc approved national or early state polls so the early states are iowa new hampshire nevada and south carolina um and so they had to get you know either like have at least 5% in the national ones or or 5% in those early states, or they could receive 7% in two early state polls. And that's how Klobuchar got in because
0: she has had some decent polling numbers in some of the early states, but nationally she is still polling abysmally. Yeah. And Yang is actually polling better than she is in most polls. So the fact that she was in this debate and he wasn't is something that... We're probably going to talk about.
1: Yeah, definitely. Same goes with Steyer.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. And on the subject of Steyer, um, the second qualification is on donations. And I think at this point, everybody on the stage obviously has met the donations requirement. But that's 225,000 unique donors with at least 1,000 donors per state for 20 different states. Um, so that those are the two requirements for actually making it into the debate. If they sound convoluted, it's because they are coming from the DNC. So these are requirements that are defined by the DNC um, for for qualifying for these different primary debates, and the candidates agree to them before the primaries or like as they enter the primary. Um, so that's a little bit of the the like the specifics behind who who was on the stage and who wasn't. Shall we get into it? You all ready? Let's do it. Yeah. All right, let's get started with
0: Tom Steyer. Oh, who? Tom, Tom, Tom Steyer. Yeah, who? He 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 was on the debate. He was the he was the guy at the end. Mm. Doesn't
1: ring any bells.
2: I mean, do we really need to dedicate time to him? <laughs> I feel like we dedicated enough. We said his name.
1: Yeah. So so I I agree. This should be a really short conversation because. He did the exact same thing he's done every single time. He stared deeply into our souls as watchers, <laughs> hmm. never blinking. <laughs> he's he's the sweet, Hannibal Lecter eye of contest. the stage. <laughs> um, and he spent the whole debate, as he does every time, Echoing what everybody else on stage would say, he, you know, he would get a question and, and then like, I agree that the only with say Warren, and then and then you know yeah. that healthcare is a priority, and these are the things that I would do.
2: He just really reminds me of like someone who normally doesn't go and do his own shopping. So like he's at Walmart or something, and he's just wandering around, lost, looking for an associate to help him find you know something simple like the grocery section. <laughs> he just looks like a little dazed and confused. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of his inexperience out there like definitely shows and it
0: was clear that he didn't understand the policies at one point there's Mm -hmm. this hilarious moment where biden made this long convoluted um uh statement about how public option is the best and then he came in he was like i agree with joe biden Mm -hmm. and then
2: don't ever and then
0: warren said made an argument for medicare for all and he was like i agree with elizabeth warren and it was like those were two different... Poly- like, <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> the funny thing is that... Or he, maybe it was Bernie. He I... doesn't end up saying things that actually fully agree with them. Yeah. But he makes it seem like he agrees with them at first. He'll say, like, I agree with... Um, Warren that named this like insert general it's a principle business
2: here. Businessman like I'm trying to get you to do what I want so I'm going to sure. start off saying I agree mm. with you but also let's do the exact opposite thing.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> like like trying to gain consensus by think, like just getting people on yeah, your I team. Yeah, I think he's
2: just thinking yeah. that this is like a brainstorming meeting and he has one person in the corner saying something outrageous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But but like it's interesting because at this stage they are you saw a lot of the candidates trying to differentiate themselves from Mm. the other people on the stage because one of the reasons this for our audience at home one of the reasons this is a really important debate is that it's the last debate before iowa caucuses on february 3rd which are the Mm. first votes that will be cast in the democratic primary for 2020.
0: yeah and also it's it's hard for me to look past the fact that he totally bought his way on that stage Um, And he also kind of did a bait and switch with his whole impeachment campaign. It's just hard for me to look past that. Now, one thing I will actually say, though, kind of in his defense and in his favor, um, he does seem like a nice guy. And I do actually believe him when he says that he does care about these issues. Yeah, But he's definitely out of touch with them.
2: I, Mm. I, I guess I have a little bit of suspicion when it comes to billionaires who are nice guys who want to get in on this, because this has been... Um, Even postulated, even from almost from Steyer himself, that this is about going against those billionaires who are benefiting from all the resources in this country while trying their hardest not to pitch in a little bit of that infinite wealth that they have. So it's really hard for me to trust someone has good motivations and good intentions when he could just as easily um, throw the not insignificant weight of his resources behind an appropriate candidate. He is not not the billionaire we need, you know, as if he's some superhero who's the only one who can save us. Interesting.
0: The money that he has spent on this campaign, he could have used it to like fight against the forest fires in Australia. Mm. There's so many other things he could have done besides run for president that would have... Done so much more for the country and for the world, and the fact that he's throwing it behind a presidential run when he has no experience, um, and he really doesn't have a specific—he doesn't have a specific policy reason for it's running. Like a confirmed
2: mm-hmm. platform, Yeah, it's really, disappointing. It and again, he—he
0: he again tried to paint himself as the climate change guy. He was like, "Oh well, no. I'm the guy who, mm. I'm the guy who." Uh, is the only one who's willing to say that climate change is my number one issue which again we we've said this over and over again in i'm pretty sure it was like the second debate when they ran around went around the
1: room and asked what is your number one priority like half of the candidates said climate change yeah. yeah and they're still saying like this is the number one existential threat this is a top priority and he said that twice just yeah. this debate
2: yeah <laughs> Like, yeah it, it, again, i I guess maybe I'm a little bit cynical when it comes down to it, but all I see there is a billionaire who is actually scared of the true progressive um, policies being implemented so he's there just enough to take away from um maybe any kind of people who are center left sort of hmm. see,
0: I don't think it's I don't think it's quite that strategic. I mean I, I, don't I, think I there's could like an even a for that but I just, I don't know if it's strategic. I think Mm. it's just like, um, he's a billionaire, uh, billionaires are- Oh, the sense
2: of entitlement? Yeah, exactly. You think he's just like, oh, of course I would be a great president. I'm good at everything. I have money that I can like
0: eat. So I I don't think it's a genius master plan. I think it's just like ambition. Mm personally uh
1: yeah i see i think i take even i give him a lot of like personal credit because he seems to your point nathan like super sincere yeah i think he's really scared about climate change i think he's really scared about trump and like really wants him to be like defeated and maybe there's a bit of like I don't think I'm actually going to be president but I'm going to like keep hammering these issues and try to like he, he might be like doing a little bit of maybe what Bernie has done in the past which is like try to like move the Overton window the problem is He's like exactly where everybody else already is. Yeah. So if that is his intention, he's like, and quite literally, because Wait, like everybody agrees. Because climate change every, change every is time a progressive
0: says it. something, he says, "I agree with you." Every time a centrist says something, he says, "I agree with you." Where yeah. do you actually stand, Wait, bro? Yeah. Do you
2: mean to tell me that this billionaire might be a little bit out of touch? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: Final thoughts on uh, on Tom Steyer, uh, Jess.
2: Jeff? Who?
1: fair enough fair enough (laughs) (laughs) for me like it's the same thing we've said every time i have no idea why he's still up there like if he wants to be putting a bunch of money behind getting trump like reducing trump's popularity i think that makes total sense like doing a bunch of like ads like negative ads on trump like okay if you want to be putting your money towards climate change do that but like i don't understand what he's doing
0: yeah yeah i'm consistently underwhelmed by his candidacy and disappointed with the fact that there is so many other things that he could be doing with his time and with his money we didn't need another presidential candidate and especially not a billionaire and if you have all that money put it towards helping people in the world not your own ambitions Mm. Uh, let's move on to amy
1: klobuchar I'm so excited that she's the second person we're talking about, <laughs> because we always start from least popular to most popular.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes, but I have so many feelings and thoughts about Amy Klobuchar, and it's, yeah. I'm gonna have to rein it in a little bit.
0: <laughs> let it out. Let, let it, it, out. it out. Let, let it, it out. F- let it flare. So, so what do we? Where to start?
2: <laughs> oh, I have suggestions. All right. Um, All right. Why don't Why don't, don't, ahead, don't you start me. us out, Jess? Well, so. Um, I kind of will probably speak to this a little bit more on Warren, um, because I have some feelings there, but I will say that one of the things that has been very frustrating for me with Amy Klobuchar is that I feel like she very much embodies this, um, sort of, uh, marketed, um, feminism-like movement, which is not so much about the intersectionality, about um, rights for people and like, you know, inherent dignity, but more about how can you market that? So maybe in the 90s, you remember like girl power, girls rule and boys drool. And it's sort of shifted a little bit to like hashtag girl boss. Um, And so what's been frustrating to me is that Amy Klobuchar is someone who it seems that she's trying to run her platform on basically I am a woman and I care about women, which would be great, except one of the things that I think affects um, everyone in the population. But if you are focusing on women, that will definitely affect them is healthcare. So if we look at how Amy Klobuchar um, says to me, says kind of we we can't get Medicare for all right now. That's just not going to happen. And we need to stop pushing for that when One of the things that is quite clear is that things like maternal mortality and morbidity in our country are rising and um, that there are several states, including Minnesota, where rural hospitals are shutting down their obstetrics units. So in a lot of rural areas, including again in Minnesota, these hospitals will say they will not take a Um, A labor that's not urgent. So some people are driving five hours to the hospital just to have a delivery. And if they are going to those hospitals that have to take them because it's an emergency, they may not have performed a birth. The attending physician may not have performed a birth in quite a long time. Mm -hmm. So I guess when I hear someone say, I care about women and I care about women's issues, but then also say, we don't need to be pushing as hard as we can for Medicare for all, I don't really see truth and sincerity i see someone who's trying to um again market her uh her girl power
0: so in your view then um the fact that she's not advocating for a more bolder progressive agenda um doesn't make her as much of a feminist is that it
2: yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I would argue that my point of view, a feminist is someone who includes intersectionalities of things like, you know, um, trans folks and non-binary folks and um, folks in different socioeconomic stations and race mm-hmm. and all those things. And so to me, the there was this devolution. Um, on the stage of this, oh, the women, we've got it all set, but not these dumb men. And it was supposed to be this hoorah moment and I didn't feel empowered by it. Instead, I Mm. felt angry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So. Interesting. So would you say that the conversation about feminism then needs to be, yes, social issues such as abortion and LGBTQ rights, but also economic issues?
2: Well, yeah, because that is, again, something that, Um, is felt by and if you if you are a person who views feminism through the lens of how do we um, you know sort of close things like the pay gap then you should be looking at where do people stand in economical or and economics Mm -hmm. in our country because you know if you want to talk about like maternal morbidity rate guess uh which populations for whom that is higher black people latina people um mm. and if you want to think about the access lgbtq folks have to healthcare, that's impacted um so again you know this idea of i care about women and women's issues but also we're not ready to push for that health care and things are okay we'll be fine it just doesn't gel
1: yeah that i think that that Rings true with my like experience with Klobuchar and ob- observations of her overall, and I think what we've like tried to criticize her about is that like she is truly not a progressive. Candidate certainly not relative to the other people on the stage, oh, sure. and to your point, like because economic justice and social justice are interrelated issues, mm. and you can't really parse one from the other. And I think I think the really progressive candidates on stage, like Warren and Bernie, know that they're constantly mm. drawing the connections back and forth between minority communities, their economic justice, and like their social and economic plans. But like Klobuchar, it seems like. What she's saying is, I'm for all of these, cons- like these relatively not super progressive and, you know, very practical, which is how she talks about it, these practical plans. Um, but I really want, like, these social issues to, like, continue moving forward. But it seems like maybe those things are kind of incompatible.
0: Yeah. And also, it's important to note. So when she says things like this is a fake argument, you know, because she kept oh. saying this yeah. is like this <laughs> argument about Medicare for all versus uh, versus public option is a fake argument because mm-hmm. no other Democrat is going to go for it. Like all these other Democrats aren't going to go for it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That just made my skin crawl because mm-hmm. you're basically saying to the 35 to 40,000 people who die every year due to access due to lack of access to health care. That you're suffering it's too hard to solve. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't do anything to solve it. We can make band-aid solutions that don't address the core of the problem, which is again the profit motive behind our current system. Sure. Because that, the thing is, a public option would make things better, but it still maintains the fact mm-hmm. that there is for-profit motivation in our healthcare system. When you have a two-tiered system where one's the government and one's the, uh, the private sector, then when you have a large amount of people within government bought off by the insurance companies that are going to be competing against that public option— Maybe they're not in power immediately, but once they get in power, they're going to do everything they can to dismantle that public option to incentivize people to uh, buy into the private option, which will then be turned around and used as a reason to say, oh, see, the government can't do it. This idea of a more public uh, public based healthcare is a farce because look at how much it's uh, look at how many limitations sure. it has. So the best way to cover it is through a single payer healthcare yeah.
1: system. And I I also want to take a couple minutes. I know we're we're going long on Klobuchar, but I think I think it makes sense with with like. The attention that she's starting to get from the media, people keep calling her mm. out as like like aside from Biden, the candidate She just got yeah.
0: endorsed by the New York Times.
1: Yeah, I saw her? that. Uh, yeah. And and, and Warren. Elizabeth Warren. Which yeah. are
0: two Which,
2: disparate candidates. Th- yeah,
1: very th- strange endorsement.
0: Th- yeah, those thought, are two thought, disproportionately like different candidates. They're in diametrically two cases. opposed. They represent two opposite factions of the Democratic Party. Yeah. And that tells me like the, the The New York Times, I guess they don't care much about policy.
2: And here's a thing that I have come across um, as someone who is uh, supporting Bernie and who um, has trouble reconciling with people who kind of go back on their progressive um, intent. But um, if you choose not to support an Amy Amy Klobuchar or Warren, I would not argue that you are less of a feminist. Um, Sometimes people draw this false equivalency between, you know, say Bernie and Warren. And they say, well, they're the same. So if you, why wouldn't you just vote for the woman? And they're not. They have key differences in policy that's only gotten even further apart as time has gone on. I would not at all say that uh, Klobuchar and Warren are the same candidate to vote for. I would have, you know, for me, I would vote for Warren Um, so much easier than I would for Klobuchar. So I think that there's a kind of risk of people when they're trying to say oh see I care about women that's why I picked the two women Um, it's less about who they are and their accomplishments and it is to me kind of delineative it sort of takes away the power and impact of these women and whether or not you agree with klobuchar which i certainly don't i at least can respect that she has her policies and i hope some of them are based in um a, at least a false belief that she will help more people mm-hmm. and to just kind of say, well, I pick the girl um, as as a uh, mean girls had in uh, the mathletes where they're like, we pick the girl, too. I really, really don't like that. Yeah. And it happens quite a bit. And I would just like all people to stop it now. It
1: Seems like it's not genuine feminism slash humanism. ...to allow someone's status as a woman to overshadow their status as an individual being.
2: Yes, there's a weird... It, it's it's a little bit hard to get into, but there's a weird... Um, again, there's like a, an almost... It's like a marketability to something akin to feminism. Mm-hmm. So you'll encounter it in the kind of guys who are like, Oh, I'm scared of women. They run the world. But they're also the kind of guy who doesn't really believe that. Yeah. And, and again, I guess in the same way... There are a lot of people who kind of view these women as, you know, the best candidate because they are women. And that is certainly not giving them a huge favor. I don't want to in any sure. way imply that they have a hand up because they're women, because that's not true. In fact, they have much more against them because they're women. They oh, yeah. have to work harder. And they have less room to screw up. Mm -hmm. But I do also want to acknowledge that if you are looking at it from the perspective that if someone is choosing Bernie or if someone is choosing, um, you know, if someone is choosing even Buttigieg, it might not be just that they are uncomfortable with women it might be genuinely what their policies are and i would advise you to ask them about what policies they find that this other candidate doesn't have
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and one thing i definitely will say to get out uh, to um be very clear if there's anybody who is specifically deciding to not vote for amy klobuchar or elizabeth warren because they don't think a woman can do the job.
2: Yeah, screw that person. Screw that person.
0: They <laughs> Absolutely. Can,
1: like, that is the official position of the Perspectrum podcast with <laughs> guest Jess. <laughs> um, um, but one thing I also wanted to just play out was like what the happy path of a public option might look like. So what what Klobuchar and Buttigieg talk about with the public option is that the government will provide health insurance, which will provide a competitor with health insurance companies that will be so much superior to health insurance companies that everybody will flock to it, Um, and insurance overall will be improved because costs will be lower and and the competition will require that um, quality increases, but that economically seems like it might not necessarily work out that way because what is likely going to happen is the government will come in with a lower cost healthcare option so that people can afford to use it right it'll incentivize people to go to the to the public option in order uh, based on cost right so what will that indicate well then private insurance companies will also lower their prices and Ultimately, they will go back and forth and try to lower their lower their prices to incent people to um, go to their plan. and And this is like the happy path. This is the best case scenario, right? Mm. Okay, so now we've got more and more people flocking to the public option. Prices of insurance keep going down, but because private insurers require a certain amount of profits and they require a certain like they require um, additional money on top of all of their costs, they will have to depress the quality of their service and what they cover in order to be able to make their balance, their their revenue balance. And so what will happen is over time, everybody that's in the private sector will get crappier and crappier insurance until everybody transitions to the public sector for their insurer. So best case scenario, you go through multiple years where tons of people in the United States have crappy, crappy insurance because they're still in the private insurance market while that all dissolves into a Medicare for all.
2: So yeah. and I've always and had, that's the best case scenario. That's the, right. and that's I've what they want had to the opposite happen. fear because in my experience when you have um, wealthy people will get the best of everything they will, they always will. Um, you can sort of see this play out in our school system if you take a look at that uh if our school systems are funded mostly by property taxes Mm -hmm. which they are you can see folks who can afford to live in a much better neighborhood which are historically and still predominantly white wealthy neighborhoods um near cities often if they can afford to live there, their children get a better quality of education, mm-hmm. which puts them in a better place to um, develop skills and to yeah. continue education and to go further in life. Okay, we know that. If you are born in into a poor Neighborhood, or you have to move there, then your quality of education suffers. I experienced this firsthand growing up. I moved from um, Virginia, from a relatively wealthy county that we couldn't afford to continue living in, to West Virginia, which is a very poor state. And um, the quality of the education system is, it, it, it might not be as tangible um, to someone who's never experienced it, but there's a huge difference. I remember that my first couple years in that school system was just, it just felt like review of things that I had learned ages ago. And, um... So my feeling is that wealthy people will always get the best of everything. And so what I foresee happening is if there are these two options of the private sector and the public option, it will start off relatively equal, you know, as you hope, where the the private sector will have to drop the prices to get people. But they will, instead of the quality being depressed, what will happen is they'll start adding in these extras and, and saying you could have this and convincing people That their coverage is better and it may or may not be, but eventually it will become so because the wealthy people will start moving to the um, private sector and make sure that they keep their insurance and the poor people will have no choice but to take what the government offers. And if the government decides that they don't have money to pay for dental insurance, not like that's ever happened before, (laughs) then guess what? I'm looking at you, UK. Yeah, then guess what? People in poverty that's will a not a stereotype. Have... No, 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 no. <laughs> actually, that's history. They took away history. their dental insurance. They took
0: away... They, the um, the NHS doesn't cover dental. That's actually where that stereotype came from. That explains
1: from. so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: so, and, and, you know, little things like that. Preventative care is something that costs so little upfront. But it is so expensive when it is not taken care of. And, you know, even missing something like dental insurance can contribute to things like heart disease and infection and things like that. So, again, Wealthy people, I'm not really worried about them because historically our country has made it pretty clear that you're going to get what you need if you're wealthy. But what will happen is that the people who are in poverty will have no choice but to accept whatever the government gives them and they won't have the money to buy into something fancy like insurance that covers if you get cancer.
1: And I think, to your point, the underlying assumption is then that the government's plan will be underfunded. Mm -hmm. And because of the tax plans... That Klobuchar and Buttigieg and advocates for public options are putting forward, which are moderate, if any changes at all, that will almost definitely be true. They're, they don't have provisions really to yeah. pay for significant cost increases on the that side, so. You're going to end up having like a huge trade-off scenario like the one you're doing
2: uh, i know that it's we really were... oh i was just going to say it's really fascinating um what wealthy people think is optional for those in poverty and you've seen that play out plenty of times yeah so i i just don't trust the benevolence of wealthy folks yeah in um, power. Yeah, we've definitely,
0: we've definitely, we've definitely deviated a little bit from Yeah, we're very Klobuchar. far from Klobuchar. But, but, yeah, it's a but, Buttigieg. <laughs> but it is, but it is still important to address this because um, single-payer health care was very much a topic. Oh, yeah. As it has been in many of the debates. And so,
1: according to CNN, it's the number one issue for Iowa voters, which yeah. is a really important thing at this
0: point. Yeah. So I just want to end this segment about Klobuchar with one more important point. So, Amy Klobuchar, during this debate, she referred to these policies that Bernie was uh, advocating for, such as Medicare for All, as a pipe dream. Mm. So let's go ahead and just put that to rest for a second. Because according to her, that means that Norway, Japan, the United Kingdom, Kuwait, Sweden, Bahrain, Brunei, Canada, United Arab Emirates, Finland, Slovenia, Italy, Portugal, Cyprus, Spain, and Iceland, apparently they're all living in a pipe dream. Apparently, the single-payer system that they have, which by the way, costs less per capita than our current system, apparently they're living in a pipe dream. It's just this unobtainable fantasy. They all have lower GDPs than we do. They have less money to use for it, and they spend less money to do it. They get better health outcomes than us. And yet, a single-payer health care system is a pipe dream. And the thing is, she's either saying this because she doesn't know this fact. She doesn't know the fact that there are 17 other countries in the world that do have single-payer health care systems, or she's saying it because she's in the pocket of health insurance companies. And the thing is, she's smart. I don't think that she's dumb. I don't think that she doesn't know these facts. She's a senator, for Christ's sake. It seems to me like the most logical conclusion is the fact that she is straight up lying
1: to people, and I'm not okay with that. And her biggest point seems to be that it's just impossible to get it through Congress. And you're in Congress. Yeah. Do something about it. And, and yeah, exactly. And like the way that you get things into Congress, the so way you get things through Congress is by. Forcing the conversation is by having the conversation. We've seen a tremendous amount of progress, mostly driven by Bernie, partially pushed on by Warren on this exact subject. It may have been a pipe dream 20 years ago or even 15 or 10 years ago, but like the idea that it is a total impossibility and to blame that on Congress members that aren't going to go along with it, like like you kick them out <laughs> like yeah. say like vote for more progressive congressmen and members. that's
0: actually uh, that's actually bernie's plan his plan is basically if he becomes president and he starts proposing these policies if any senator or congressperson does not go along with it he's basically going to uh, call him in for a meeting and be like hey you're going to support this policy and if you don't i'm going to go to your state i'm going to rally people pick someone <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to get them to keep to flood your office with phone calls until either you support it or we primary your ass out of there and put in someone who does.
2: Mm. I mean, you can't say that these things are impossible when you won't work for them. It's not easy. It takes work. It's not something that's simple and straightforward, but it's really, really hard to tell a bunch of Americans who are dying, I'm sorry, it's just too much work.
0: Yeah, we've, we've talked about Amy Klobuchar quite a bit. Um, well, actually, we kind of delineated from her, so it's probably okay anyway. But regardless, it is time for us to move on to Pete Buttigieg. Oh. So, Jess, what are your thoughts on Pete Buttigieg's performance?
2: Um, It was better than last time. Last time he seemed kind of petulant, and he wasn't quite there this time. Honestly, I in the beginning of this uh, primary, I I looked at him a little bit more closely and and thought perhaps he could um, shape up into a a semi-good candidate. Now I've kind of lost hope for that. (laughs) Um, I think that he seems, with each uh, debate, to be just a little bit more desperate and just a little bit more hungry for corporate donors. And... um, there's there's a lot of um, insincerity I think that comes across with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with that, Michael.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just I found him relatively uninspiring um, as usual. Like I, th- mm. I thought his t- performance was. On the one hand, kind of what we've come to expect, like well thought, th- like well thought through thoughts, Polish, very polished, very put down. together. But also like genuine, like he's not he's not Klobuchar out there that literally <laughs> quoted things that she has said. Like she quoted a whole paragraph that she used in the exact in the last debate.
2: Oh yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. He does have it. He's he's good at acting sincere. Yeah, he's we he's like way
1: least. better at all that stuff. You and, thought like, I was sincereing? No acting
2: <laughs> and
1: like obviously we can't see into his brain but sure
2: um I mean not yet
1: <laughs> um but I thought that like for the most part he like didn't really say too much that got very much attention um I think I think he had a couple he had one good moment where he was I think he successfully landed like a response to Steyer, where he was like I solved the South Bend economy I'm I can also ta- he was they were talking about like tackling mm. Trump on multiple issues. And he was like, well, I can tackle Trump on the economy because X and I can tackle Trump on Christianity because I'm a Christian.
2: Ooh, can and I talk thought about that I thought that
1: was really interesting because mm. I think of like I think of Christian Democrats. I think of conservative Christians who view the lack of religion as a serious detractor and i think it's really interesting that he decided to try to make that a positive thing where he can say where he can be up there and like be like trump is not a christian yeah so i
0: probably have different views on this from either of you so i am a very secular person same but yeah. i do respect i do respect um religion as a motivation so if someone's saying if he stood up there and said i'm arguing for this particular healthcare policy because my religion uh, because according to my religion, we have to do it. That's not a good argument. Like, I'm not okay with basing a policy purely on religion. However, if you're someone that says, um, this policy will have this benefit and this benefit and this benefit, mm-hmm. and I am pushed very hard to do it because... I believe that God wants me to push for it. I'm totally okay with that. I think that that's, I, I I find that inspiring. I find that, um, uh, I find that perfectly reasonable. And I do think that it is good to bring up the fact that Trump has the evangelical vote for I, no reason,
2: yeah, I, I oh there's a reason. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's abortion. It's for, abortion. Yeah. Well, it's also that he's a misogynistic um, white
1: racist It yeah. aligns with a lot of things he, that, but,
2: that aligns with a lot of folks who also happen but, to be yeah. but evangelicals. but the but the thing is, yeah. i um, he doesn't go
0: to church. I don't I doubt he's a Christian. I don't think that man could ever worship anything that is not himself. <laughs> like I, th- that's that's not why I'm not a Christian. But I am certain that's why he's not one. Sure. Like there is, there is no way that he actually believes
1: in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I
2: think he's pretty attached to um, this life, this existence. I don't yeah. think he's looking at a next one.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I don't mean, even know how much he's trying to hold on to this one with the, how much diet coke he drinks.
2: <laughs> so well, I do think that it. Well, I, his body's a battery, you know.
0: I do think, <laughs> I do think that it is, um, it is an interesting dichotomy to have this gay man yes who is very religious and i mean maybe not compared to other candidates on the stage but definitely compared to donald trump a liberal yeah totally um who does believe that the spiritual bond with his uh with his husband Mm -hmm. is like is not a detraction from his religion but in fact is him following his religion yeah i actually do think that that is an interesting conversation to have. Now, if he was saying, and sometimes I have almost gotten the sense that he's almost said this, if he was saying that um, Democrats need to stop being so secular. No, of course not. Like, then I'm not okay with that. I think that it comes down to, in the Democratic Party, in the progressive movement, we should respect all beliefs to the extent that they do not hurt other people. Yeah. And to the extent that they help other people,
2: we should celebrate them. Oh, I was going to say, so I happened to notice that he was, you know, again, more clear with this statement mm-hmm. right before Iowa caucuses. And um, we lived in Iowa for a little bit. And it is not an exaggeration to say that if you're there, a lot of the people, especially anybody who's older, is going to assume you are a Christian mm-hmm. and expect it. Um I was actually told when I worked in the nursing home that if we were asked if we were Christian or if we believed in God, we were just supposed to say, yep, yep, nope, sure, yep, yep, we do. Although that was
0: also a nursing
2: home. (laughs) Yeah, well, but again, you know, he's doing okay in Iowa, and Mm -hmm. he's doing um, okay with older folks. And there are quite a lot of Democrats who are older who are also more moderate, so he has that appeal. Yep. And I do think that some of them do search for this um, kind of more golden boy, uh, oh, sort of yeah. devout yeah. Um, president. Handsome,
1: clean shaven. <laughs> yeah. he, you
2: yeah. know, like JFK, but not a womanizer. Yep. And really not a womanizer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so I, I, I can see the appeal, mm-hmm. um, but I also don't. Don't feel totally comfortable with this appeal that we have to um, embrace our candidate based on their religious beliefs. And I think that that skirts a little bit close to it. You know, I I think in only in the United States, you could only say, I'm a Christian and I have Christian values and have that give you a boost in the polls. Mm -hmm. You could not say, I am a Muslim and I have Muslim values. It would not work. Yep. It, it might not. I mean... I, that is a good point. And I think he definitely knows that. And so there's... Yeah. To me, it was a very calculated move. Very. It was very much meant to help him in Iowa, which is... I do think he understands the Midwest. Of course he does. I think he understands it better than Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar she's a very Midwest All person. she
1: knows is she doesn't fly over it.
2: Oh, she <laughs> is so actually, Midwest. If you hear her jokes and stuff, she <laughs> is. Yeah. But I think that he definitely is... Um. Easier to like and I think he has a a sort of a keener understanding of what can really tap into people Without coming across as false
1: quickly going back to the the religion point for Buttigieg. I think yes super Like political thing and that's really the context in which I was talking about it It is a it is an arrow in his quiver politically that I think could be advantageous um it's clearly calculated. And to your point, like religion and government shouldn't mix, but religious people in government, of course. Yeah, like, that's fine. But obviously. I would
2: also point out that, as you said, a lot of the evangelicals um, who are at least looking to vote for someone who is evangelical are Republicans. And my point of view is that if you are still in the Republican Party and still supporting, sure. you know, Donald Trump, you're not going to jump ship for um Pete Buttigieg. You are in it. You are married to that guy for life.
1: I'd say you're right that evangelicals are that way. But, you know, a ton, like 70% of the United States population is Christian. Not all of those people are evangelicals. Sure. A lot of them are Yeah,
2: I guess what I was saying is I think that when I think about the Democratic Party, I think a lot of the people, even those who would appreciate seeing a Christian kind of golden boy, um, sweet man, devout Mm -hmm. in the office would not choose that over policy. I guess maybe I'm giving too much of a benefit, would not look at only that. They might look at other things, sure. but I feel like they would look um, and weigh that against um, other things. Yeah, that things. makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um, so last thought for me on Buttigieg is just, he keeps making these like, his, all of his closing statements focused on, like, this election is, like, too high stakes. We need an outsider who's, like, making a great argument, who's, who can gather people together, who's really electable. And, and it's, young. like, dude, like, <laughs> that's brilliant. you're not an outsider. <laughs> that's not you. <laughs> like, you're... like you're, you just have no experience. Like, yeah. experience as your experience is not a very good argument, yeah. even though it's, like, the main thing of his campaign. But
2: he wants yeah. you to remember that he is young.
1: Yeah. 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 And oh, if, it's, if it's too high stakes... Like, why would pe- why would we bet on you? All right, let's move on to Elizabeth Warren.
0: We definitely have mm-hmm. some things to say about uh, this. So uh, before we get started on Elizabeth Warren, I do want to give a little bit of context because I know a lot of you are probably waiting to hear about the big moment, the confrontation between her and Bernie Sanders. So I want to just give a little bit of context so we know... What happened leading up to this? It started out with Elizabeth Warren staffers telling, the, telling CNN that in 2018, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders were having this private conversation in which Bernie Sanders said that he didn't think that a woman could beat Trump. Now, right after this, Bernie Sanders released a statement denying it, that what he actually said was that because Donald Trump is a racist and a sexist, he was going to try to use every single thing that he can in order to get reelected, which, you know, the implication being he's probably going to make sexist arguments against a woman, and therefore it might be more difficult for a female candidate, which is a completely acceptable thing to say. It's a completely acceptable view to have because, of course, Donald Trump is going to do that. And he also pointed out the fact that these staffers were not actually in the room... And he also pointed out the fact that um, Hillary Clinton beat Trump by like 3 million votes, so obviously a woman can beat Donald Trump. And then Elizabeth Warren came out and said, no, Bernie Sanders actually did say that a woman couldn't win. But the only two people that were actually in the room were Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. It was a he said, she said. So this leads us to the debate. So the moderators framed the question by starting out by saying that CNN reported that you said that a woman could not beat Trump. Now, that's kind of a dishonest framing because CNN was reporting it based on what the staffers had told them. And the staffers, again, were not in the room. And then they said, and Elizabeth Warren confirmed it. And then they asked him, why did you say that? Mm -hmm. Knowing that prior to this, he denied saying it. So already... This is a leading question and they're framing it completely dishonestly. And then after he answered the question, which by the way he even brought he brought up even uh, he brought up more points about why it's ridiculous to think that he doesn't think a woman could be president, namely the fact that in 2015 he tried to get Elizabeth Warren to run against Hillary Clinton and the only reason why Bernie Sanders did run for president in 2016 was because Elizabeth Warren wouldn't but he wanted her to do it. He didn't want to run, he wanted her to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's even more ridiculous to think that he doesn't think a woman could be president. So he denied it once again, and CNN then you know followed up by saying, okay, so you're saying you didn't say it, and he said, that's correct. And then they turned to Elizabeth Warren and said, so how did you feel when he said that?
1: I used to have a college professor it that would talk funny. about leading questions, um, and he would always start about, he would start off the lecture by saying, So when did you stop beating your wife?
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That assumes a whole heck of a lot. Yes.
2: It it, it was um, also that moment where they said, so Senator Warren, how did you feel when he said that was played for this very, like that was CNN soundbite. They wanted to get that moment where people clapped and laughed and kind of hooted a little bit. Mm. And, um, Taking aside, as Nathan said, that it's a little ridiculous to assume that Bernie said that um, because of what we know about Bernie, and taking aside what in or taking in what you said about you know this leading question that assumes so much, it was just um, very clear that they were trying to set up this like Smackdown. I mean, yeah. I've seen like more subtlety in like a WWE <laughs> Smackdown setup, and I remember that after the debate, I remember the moderators kind of. Um saying, oh, well, I mean, if it were me up there, I would have been more aggressive, but I guess they don't really want the presidency. Mm. And it was yeah. just very clear that they were bloodthirsty and it yeah. was gross. Yeah. And they They're- spent
1: so much time after the debate trying to like talk about the moment where like Warren and mm. like Sanders passed each other and like, oh, styred, like, did you hear what they said? And he's like, I don't hear what they said. Actually, the, the audio was
0: released. Oh, really? What they said Eventually, to each other. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren went up to him after the debate and said I think you called me a liar on national television um and he well, was and he was like
1: well, no no I didn't you, you called me a liar yeah, and then he was and, like, so and then he was like let's not do this right now and so yeah. like that's that's the thing about this as like a potential strategy I think it's much more likely that these people disagreed on like exactly what mm-hmm. was said in the room and I liked what Warren did with her response to that question, which was, I'm not here to talk about this. Let me talk about why I can be elected as a woman, so, which is like the whole important like point and question of any of that.
2: So one of the things that, um, has concerned me since Elizabeth Warren announced her candidacy is that she does have a, a slight history of, um, taking these little risks, uh, with, um, you know kind of how she presents herself and um kind of seeing where they land and she apologizes beautifully and so when this story first broke I happened to notice well first it was you know reported on from her staffers so she had that deniability of saying my staffers acted without my knowledge they weren't even in the room um and then she could wait a couple days and see how people reacted and then she came out and said this is what happened um and, and I feel like since then, now she's changed it to, I don't even want to talk about this. Why are we even talking about this? But and you could believe that, except it's not like this was uncovered. It's not like there was this audio that was uncovered um, or someone overheard them talking. She released it. OK, none of her staffers would have ever released that without her saying it's OK. That's just it. And she released it and she's behind this story. And I think she would feel it is much more convenient if we all forgot that because she gets to look magnanimous and say, we're not even here to discuss that. And so, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt, this was maybe something that was misunderstood. I know even some people. I think Samantha B even was saying I said I don't know that a woman can beat uh, uh, Donald Trump because that doesn't seem to be how the country was acting. Um, yeah. So you know, so there are some who speculate that maybe he said something along that lines, mm-hmm. and then um, there are some who wonder why, if this conversation happened in 2018, why is it just now coming out when Warren has. Arguably lost momentum after what... Right was,
0: before the Iowa caucus. It
2: seems like Warren's lost momentum, um, and, and from my understanding, is from announcing her plan that, to me, backtracked on her promises where she said the she Medicare would for fight yeah. for Medicare for All. And now she's saying, I will fight for Medicare for All. Three years from when I get elected um, that I'm going to do it, though. I promise. After Mom, I'll clean my room a... next week. I swear, Mom. I swear.
0: After we've already had... A midterm election, which we may have, or may not have lost the House. And and mm-hmm. so
2: what, what I guess when I think about this, you know, I, I don't even want to hear it quite as he said, she said, because it, that, I mean, that is what it is. But this is not I want to be clear for those who wonder if that's right to say that, because he said she said is often used um, either dismissively or to draw attention to disputes where someone has abused authority. Uh, So Bernie Sanders is Warren's, you know, colleague. He doesn't really have authority over her. Um, He also it sounds like even if he just said, I don't believe a woman can beat Donald Trump. I, I think it's hard again, given what Nathan said about his history, but I don't believe that that is the worst thing that someone could have ever said. And so to me, this seems like very calculated. and this seems like a Warren Warren doing what Warren sometimes does, which is she, in baby steps, she tests something. And if it blows up in her face, she's really good at apologizing. But she's also very clever. And I have um, had some concerns about that, given some of her past history of walking things back. And I do know that she has a lot of Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton advisors now. She just scooped them up. And this seems to me to have changed her direction in a major way, and I do not like it.
0: So a lot of people are trying to also take the accusation itself out of context to make it sound like what Bernie said was that a woman couldn't handle the job. That's not even what the accusation is. The accusation is whether or not a woman could beat Trump. Now, I do th- I I don't think that um, it's impossible for a woman to beat Trump. I think it's absolutely possible. I think if you have the right candidate with the right policies, they can absolutely beat Trump. But The argument that because the United States is pretty sexist and Donald Trump will definitely use that to his advantage, and perhaps that could end in a woman getting nominated and not winning the presidency, that's not necessarily an unreasonable argument. Here's what I want to believe happened, because I like both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. I do hate the fact that they're fighting, and perhaps it's naive of me to say this, but what I Think, or maybe what I hope happened was they had a conversation in which Bernie Sanders just said that it's going to be harder for a woman to beat Trump because of all of the barriers they have to face because of sexism, which Elizabeth Warren interpreted as a woman can't beat Trump because she's remembering a conversation that happened like a year ago. This whole thing is just a misunderstanding. Neither of them are lying, both of them are just reiterating the meeting based on how they perceived it. Now that's what I want to believe is going on here.
2: Well, to, to your point. Um, and like I said earlier, she's been sitting on this conversation for a year and I believe Elizabeth Warren is a very intelligent woman. And I do believe that she is facing um, adversity and getting momentum. We can't deny that she is a woman and there, you know, while her policies Um, I think she made a big mistake by pulling back the Medicare for all. However, you want to, if you want to believe that she really will implement it, she still made a mistake by not being as clear up front. And so to offer this, you know, um, anecdote as if um, it happened very recently when it happened a year ago, does seem like it's genuinely um, made to be on everyone's mind in Iowa on Tuesday and I've also wondered if she is trying really hard to pick up Klobuchar votes if you looked at the uh, last debate it seemed like she was trying to almost buddy up to Klobuchar hoping she could scoop them up when Klobuchar drops out. I do think it is a little bit calculated in the timing and again as I said um, before This had to come out with Elizabeth Warren's um, knowing about it and approving it. And so she can not really pretend as if um, it's so rude for everyone to bring it up when she was the first one to bring it up. And um, I think that there are some people who see this as uh, similar to not believing women when they come forward with accusations of harassment and who see this as... um, sort of downplaying uh, very real sexism at work but again i just want to point out that um bernie sanders is elizabeth warren's uh contemporary he's her colleague so there's not that great a power differential they've worked together for many years um they're about the same age there's not this is not like a super large um margin of power that's um really out of whack and again if what was said was even in the worst case scenario him saying I just don't believe a woman can beat Donald Trump that is not in any way the same as harassing someone for being a woman or saying that um she can never be president or anything in that vein so I I guess what I hope comes out of this is that everyone kind of moves past it I don't want Warren to be um punished for this because I do like her policies overall, um, over say other moderates like Klobuchar or Buttigieg. Um, and I certainly would be happy to vote for her in the general if she won the primary. Um, but it is, I mean, I'd be happy
0: to
1: vote for Steyer. I mean, maybe not happy, but I would yeah, do I it mean, without yeah. a second thought. Um, well, at least you'd know that it'd be his number one priority. James. Right. But, but, you know, if
2: we're, <laughs> it, if we're looking at, um, how this came about and the what it was intended, I think it was very clear that this was intended to be in everyone's minds when they vote yeah. um, in Iowa. And I think that it's because she lost momentum that she needed because I think that she took a gamble and wanted the Hillary Clinton voters. That's what she wants. And the thing is, she's not moderate enough to get them. And so now I think she's trying to scoop up Um, Amy Klobuchar and she's trying to work with these like Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris advisors and um, change her image a little bit and if you remember back in the beginning of the candidacy she was a little bit more um, restrained and she was a little bit more moderate she was a little bit more like Amy Klobuchar in attitude and like Kamala Harris and then It seemed as if maybe she just um, I don't know if she just decided it was too much work to put up that front or if she got some feedback. But what made her, um, I think, progress was that people really liked her when she seemed more genuinely her when she was a policy nerd, as Nathan talks about it. Yeah. And when she was um, kind of, you know, I'm going to fight for you. And oh, yeah, sure. Everything's working great for billionaires. Yeah.
0: People people loved the fact that her catchphrase became I got a plan for that. I was kind of annoyed when she first started running because, I mean, her launch ad didn't mention any policy. And then right after that, she had an interview on Rachel Maddow in which she never really mentioned any major policies. And I was like, is this what your campaign's gonna be? And then she didn't get anywhere. And then she switched her tactic to, I got a plan for that, I got a plan for that. And then she soared up in the polls. Mm. And that's that's the Elizabeth Warren that can win a primary that can do well in a primary, and can beat Donald Trump. And that's the Elizabeth Warren that we need back. Even, mm-hmm. And I say that as someone that would prefer Bernie Sanders to win. Oh, yeah. But if that Elizabeth Warren came back and then beat Bernie Sanders, I'd be happy to vote for her in the general election.
1: Do we think that Elizabeth Warren is absent, or do we think that her policies have gotten a little bit less progressive on like, the healthcare side, but she still is very policy-focused?
2: So I think um, that at this stage in the primary, she is feeling all of the pressure that goes with being a woman running for the presidency. And um, I don't want to, like, take away from that very serious pressure that there is there because, like I said, she doesn't have a lot of room to screw up. Other candidates on that stage who are men get to mess up and they get a little bit of leeway.
1: A lot. In yeah some a, cases, little, a, a lot. tremendous amount of <laughs> that's true, yeah.
2: but she doesn't have that benefit. She doesn't have that privilege. And I have thought that maybe um part of her you know, kind of combing back her image and the shift with the health care was her again, like I think she's trying to take a calculated risk. I think she's a very intelligent woman, and she knows um that there are times where a risk pays off. And I think that she does it in baby steps. And I think that one of the things that she thought was that this whole public option thing, I think she's basically trying to run in the general before we're having the general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. cuz she thinks that she's going to get those moderate democrats. But the problem is that all of the moderate democrats already have someone they want. They want Joe Biden, they want Pete Buttigieg, they but it want matters. Steyer maybe. So
1: it matters in Iowa because if the yeah. pers- if your first choice doesn't get a certain number a certain percentage sure, then it, it goes to your so, second choice. So, so then that, that would
2: make sense important. for her to yeah, it would make sense for her to try to do what she can to take um, to take I think she thinks that it's it's more of a sure thing to get those moderate Democrats than it is to get those progressives. And and I guess to her credit in that area, progressives don't always show up to vote because a lot of progressives are young folks. But at the same time, I am sympathetic in that. Why would you show up to vote for someone like Joe Biden when he is mm-hmm. so completely against the policies that you are passionate about. And it can be disheartening if you are someone who lives in poverty or if you are someone who has to really work hard to get to a polling booth, to have an ID, to do all these things. It can be really disheartening to feel like no matter whom you vote for, nothing's going to get better for you. So granted, you know, Joe Biden's probably not going to get us into a war with uh, North Korea or Iran, but um, it can be really hard to think of that when all you can see in front of you is crushing debt and um, desperate need for health care and for jobs and for school and things like that. So I think that Elizabeth Warren, being a very shrewd woman who doesn't have a lot of chances to mess up, has taken a gamble and has um, moved more moderate and she has lost the progressives that she had. And what is happening, too, is that she needs to pick up those moderate votes. And I don't think she's going to be able to because they already have a moderate Democrat whom they like. Because why would they go with the progressive who's suddenly acting moderate? Mm.
1: Yeah. So final final thoughts on Elizabeth Warren, Michael? So my final thoughts are, I thought overall, I think she had a really nice performance. Mm. I I've talked about this in the past. I think she's one of the more polished polished candidates out there. I think she is both genuine and um, well-spoken and specific all at the same time. The biggest thing that keeps bothering me, and I need to do more research to be granted, but from what I've read on her website and what she keeps talking about in her debates is she keeps referencing the 2% wealth tax to fund more than one program. And so she's talked talked about it to fund Medicare for all. She's talked about it to fund um, free higher education. She's talked about it to fund um, the subsidies for childcare. And there's not enough money in a two percent wealth tax to fund <laughs> yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Her whole her healthcare budget. It uses the full two percent in order to not have to increase taxes yeah, is that for, with the the 2%, updated, for the two
0: percent. Well, like remember the the, public she, option? she did change like in her new plan. She did introduce a raising of the wealth tax. Um, yeah, an incremental to some the, to, percent. To, yeah, in incremental percentages. Yeah. Um, but even with that, it still doesn't really add up. If you're saying, "Well, I'm calling for a two percent wealth tax to pay for all these, and then a three to six percent wealth tax to pay for um, to pay for Medicare for all." Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, so completely worth doing more
1: research. But but I'm worried that her current tax plan wouldn't be able to fund all of her progressive
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, all of her progressive plans, which like okay, maybe that is an issue. Maybe it's not. Maybe like she's making a calculated decision that she doesn't think she'll be able to actually get all these things done, whatever. But I think it's worth digging a little bit deeper and that's something that we'll endeavor to do here. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's move on to
0: Bernie Sanders. So, Jess... I mean, I know that you just despise Bernie Sanders, so... You
2: hush your mouth. <laughs> so,
0: so what were your thoughts on Bernie's performance?
2: I thought he really did handle the questions from CNN well. Um, and I don't say that just as a supporter. I was scared because one of the things that I've had to contend with is if I say, mm, this feels a little bit calculated and it's a little hard to believe because Bernie has been so consistent... He, I mean, if I think of someone who's been consistent and upfront and honest in all of these years, I think of Bernie Sanders. And that is just not true, even with Warren, whom I really do like and like a lot of her policies. Um, And I've had this uh, gross feeling inside me that I might sound like a Meninist or something like that. Um, And so I was very concerned about his defense of this. Um, She's also a friend and also because of the, I think, quite unfair blame that Bernie received after Hillary Clinton lost, where she actually blamed him. um, I really was worried that this would be, you know, 2016 2.0. But I think he handled it very well. I think that he didn't shy away and try to change the subject, which would have been very artless and would have been very obvious. He said, I didn't say this, but um, it's also a ludicrous idea that we should be asking the question of, can a woman really be president? And I agree with that. I really don't like that that was introduced into the conversation. Uh, I'm not saying that there isn't a place to talk about gender and the fact that we've never had a woman as a president. But I definitely don't like the idea of framing it as a question of, are Americans ready for a woman to be president? And I enjoyed the way that he just said, I didn't say that. That's absolutely ludicrous. Um, Let's talk about these policies. And I also thought his closing statement was very strong. I remember his closing statement saying, Uh we didn't talk enough about these um, other issues. And somebody needed to say it because this was, again, like I said, it was very clear that the moderators were trying to set this up like a WWE match of like, Warren, Bernie, will they have it out? And that didn't happen. And then they were kind of, oh, look, Klobuchar had some zingers. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't um, substantive. And I really appreciated him saying, um, without being overly aggressive, that, This is just not going to cut it. This is not talking enough Mm. about the people in this country who need to be talked about.
1: Mike's your thoughts? Yeah, I thought he did a nice job handling. Like, so CNN's questioning was way more adversarial Mm. than the the previous debates. It was, you know, Warren and Bernie, Bernie and um, Biden. You had Buttigieg and. Like they were just they were trying to pit match. everybody against each other, which at this stage I think makes a lot of sense. You are trying to tell the country, or at least Iowa, like differentiate yourselves quickly so that people have a clear choice that they're making. Um, that being said, I thought that their framing and context was like really slanted in a lot of ways. One, one example that really stood out to me is when they were like, um, uh, Iran's leader wants the u.s to pull troops out of the middle east you agree
2: that's not a question (laughs) and it's like like
1: that well so that was like the context and it was like trying to draw false equivalency Mm. between bernie and the leader of iran and it's like guys that's unhelpful like you uh, reframing you think we should withdraw troops from the middle east like certain countries think that will inhibit our ability to fight isis why do you think we should do that? Yeah, it's like, that is the question. Yes. But like you don't need to start it's off. It's like you and one of our mortal enemies yeah. has this one view
0: that you have in yeah. common.
1: Yep. Do you both like avocados? Hitler <laughs> wanted labor on his side too. What do you have to say about that? <laughs>
0: like, oh. it's, it, it's ridiculous. I, look, the I way that's... I'm all for uh, hard questions. I'm all, all yep. for tough questions. Mm-hmm. I'm all for questions that really get into the meat of policy. Um, but the policies, the, the the way that they framed policies were just like, it was a freaking affront to journalism everywhere. I was, Mm. it made me cringe and like there were, and there were times that they framed questions, um, to other candidates that I don't like as much that I also thought were a little bit like, um, like, like, like when they asked Pete Buttigieg, um, you're having a lot of trouble with black voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say it's because they don't know you. Is it possible that they do know you? They just don't like, um, they just don't like what they see. And I, and like, when I first saw that, I was just like, um, oh yeah, you know, hit him. And then I was like, no, you're the moderators. Like you shouldn't be hitting him like that. Reframing of that question should be, are why you are you struggling with black voters? Mm-hmm um so i i i, I don't know it, I, with a
1: possible follow-up but you've been you, in the race for months you, so right, uh,
0: or, yeah it, it could be like are you going considering to get black considering voters. how long yeah. considering yeah. how long you've been in the primary yeah um sure. why do you think you're still struggling with sure. black
1: voters um yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it, to which he, he his answer was: Here are all the things we're trying, we're desperately trying to do to get black voters to be interested. <laughs> including in the picture <laughs> which the of
2: someone from Kenya. Is that right? That that did uh,
0: uh, that did happen. That did actually. Um, happen. Also the overall, I thought that Bernie did handle a lot of the questions, especially the ones that were just framed in a dishonest way. Very well. Like again, the going back to that question where they were like, "Why did you say that?" When mm-hmm. he had already said he hadn't said it, and then going right from that to, um, uh, to uh, how did you feel when he said that? And he just kind of you know laughed a bit, like, "Oh, of course, of course, whatever. I guess you, I guess nobody cares what I actually said." What I um, I thought he handled that pretty well. Mm-hmm. What
2: I like is that Bernie has shown the ability to learn how to argue in these situations a little bit better without losing himself. And what I mean by that is, um, I remember a distinct conversation, Nathan, with your father where he said that we should hope um, that Hillary won the primary because if it were Bernie going up against Trump, Bernie would be yelling with his hands in the air and Trump would be yelling with his hands in the air. And it would just be two old guys getting red in the face yelling. which I don't strictly agree with, but um, I do know that that's been something that people have uh, kind of sometimes poked fun at or sometimes outright said, you know, Bernie, why are you yelling? And I sympathize because I am impassioned too, but I I do really appreciate how he's been able to um, get his point across and he is not pulling back his uh, strength of passion and um, his like firm will that's injected into each word. But he also is not quite as, I guess, combative, which is an interesting, also an interesting thing for him to have to pull back because Joe Biden certainly doesn't have to and nobody says he's too aggressive, um. But I do really appreciate that he's been able to kind of, like you said, instead of getting a fight of let let me let me respond to that and waving his hand, he just has learned what he needs to focus on and what he needs to let go. Yeah. And I think that's very valuable in a president to have learned that even in just these few short years while still maintaining who he is. Yeah. It's clear it's not like an artifice or a
0: play. and And also one of the weaknesses that he had in his 2016 race was foreign policy mm. Mm. like yeah he had some really great aspects of his foreign policy record like the vote against the war in iraq but <laughs> there were times <laughs> we, during me. the debates where they would ask foreign policy questions and hillary clinton would have a very thought out very well uh, well drafted response and then Bernie would kind of feel like he was stumbling. Mm-hmm. The entire first part of the debate was focused on foreign policy and he rocked it. Yeah, he killed that. Like he, he killed that. He
2: also looked so good. He looked
0: so good so and like, healthy and let's and let's also make one <laughs> one another point I want to make is that um he and Warren were the only two candidates on the stage that said get the troops out. Mm. Yeah, that's like mm-hmm. Warren specified combat troops. Yep. Um you know but but they were the two candidates on the stage that were saying no we need to get our troops out and, and then totally warren rethink, i think our strategy. i think warren had a great point which was that um what's the end goal like yeah. we don't have an end goal at yeah. what point have we accomplished what we have mm-hmm. to accomplish unless you can answer that question then we need to just get our people out mm-hmm. and and i love that and i love the fact that that was a perfect that was a perfect a representation of the distinction between Bernie Warren and all the other candidates on that stage. Yeah,
1: one of the areas where Bernie I think missed the mark a little bit was when talking about the USMCA, so the the trade deal between Canada and Mexico and the United States um, that was like I think recently passed. And basically everybody on the stage except for Bernie supported the trade deal, and he didn't. And From his response, which was basically the deal was a moderate improvement, but it missed in really important ways, which was on worker like requiring worker protections abroad and um, the absence of any type of environmental language at all Mm -hmm. in the deal. Um, were, were you know, weak points of the deal that made meant that he couldn't support it. But the challenge, I thought, was that being the only person on stage that wasn't going to support that deal, which makes modern improvements that everybody on stage except for him was arguing would help the lives of Iowa mm-hmm. Actually, including him yeah, yeah, would actually help him, actually. the lives of people, of like people in rural America, especially like people in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I think he needed a stronger answer on why foregoing that short-term benefit um, of helping people that were about to vote for him in the caucus was uh, was good to forego in order for these long-term things. And basically, his point was: well, once we have a deal, it's hard to change to get a new deal. Yeah, which is I probably real. I think that's a good mm. point. I don't think it was hammered home. I don't think it was yeah. clear enough why think, that was so hard. To I think that him. if
0: you understand the stu- substance of his response, that it does hold up. But I can't understand why someone seeing that might feel like it wasn't completely hammered. Yeah. Well, it's um, a new,
1: It's a really nuanced, it's a nuanced response.
0: response. I think that, here's what I would say. I think that if he, he wasn't the deciding vote on that. Sure. Like, sure, 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 Um And he wouldn't have been a deciding vote on that. I think that if there was a reality that existed in which he would have been the deciding vote on that yeah. and without his vote, then we wouldn't have those modern improvements. Yeah. I think he probably would have voted for it. I think that the reason why he voted against it was as a protest. Like a
2: conscientious objector? Um, yeah, as
0: a conscientious objector because at the end of the day, these the trade deals don't involve uh like labor unions coming to the table to negotiate mm-hmm. it's mostly corporations and even if you do make modest improvements that new policy then becomes the status quo and that status quo can be really harder to change later mm-hmm. so i understand what he was sure. saying. oh yeah and, i and do if, too
1: i think that he didn't bring that point totally home yeah. if like i couldn't re if i was not Able to read into what he said more deeply then I would have missed it. If
2: yeah. you were just the the layperson viewing it, maybe. Yeah, because like, okay, sure. why should
1: we care about worker protections abroad? Well, there's all kinds of implications for people here. Like yeah. right. he described later, like the race to the bottom. Like if we import everything from abroad, we're not going to manufacture anything here, and like yeah. that's a problem.
0: Yeah. So I and I and on the other side of it, I do act. I do respect. Uh, Warren and even Klobuchar's reasons for voting for it. If the choice is what we have right now and what we have right now, but something a little bit better, then I think that logically it does make sense to vote for the other thing. Yep, for the the, better thing. For the better thing. So I respect that, Mm -hmm. but I do also respect Bernie Sanders's protest on it. I'm not sure exactly how I fall on that. I'm not sure exactly what I would do if I was in the Senate, Mm -hmm. you know.
2: So then do you think, um, I just had a quick question for both of you. I'm curious, um, he has been making records with his fundraising even after the, uh, I don't want to call it like an incident, but after, you know, this whole kerfuffle with Warren. And um, do you think that's going to help him in Iowa? Or do you think it's going to end up being kind of like a net, um, like a neutral wash kind of you know nothing much will come of this either way so it Mm -hmm.
0: definitely has helped him in his fundraising um as for polling in iowa i i'm with michael i'm i'm really not sure if this is going to have much of an effect as it stands there have been some iowa polls that have been showing him ahead there have been some that have been showing biden ahead i don't know what's going to happen in iowa i think that uh i think there's a good chance that he um does pretty well i think there's a good chance that he wins or if he doesn't win he comes in a close second but i i would not be willing to put any money on anybody going into iowa um i have my hopes but betting's
2: immoral i
1: I, I think it would be interesting considering like the second choice stuff in iowa i wonder how many people would actually like Put Bernie as their second choice, but not their first choice. Mm. Like I could see a lot of people putting him as their first choice, but I guess maybe Warren. Well, he Bernie does people, have the
0: most locked-in support.
1: I, I agree. I think. I think if he's going to win, it's going to be carried on the people that put him as their first choice, yeah. and not on the people that are putting him as. I think well, what's There's a good interesting of that. is that
2: he is able to get some moderate or even somewhat conservative people to look at him. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there were people who were Biden-Bernie. Interesting, um, yeah. Which, you know, we think of Biden, or at least I think of him as pretty much the most um, conservative of the Democrats up there. Mm.
0: Final thoughts on Bernie, Michael.
1: Um, I thought he did well. I I thought that, I mean, similar to the people that were on the stage, like it wasn't a groundbreaking debate. Like I think that if he was like people kind of have their narrative at this point. And I didn't really hear anything new from him, but he made his points just as well as he always does.
0: Well, I, we did hear him talk more about foreign policy, which, mm-hmm. I mean, that's very much a failure on the part of moderators in the past debates because they haven't talked too much about foreign policy. I really liked the fact that they spent a lot of time talking about that. And he uh, made sure to differentiate himself from the rest of them to say, hey, I'm the anti-war candidate. Sure. I'm the guy that wants to get, troops out of the Middle East. Um, and you can trust me with that because I'm I've the tried g- for I'm, forever. I'm the guy that voted not to send them there in the first place.
2: Yeah. So uh, my final thoughts were a little bit more in line with Michael's only in that I think that he didn't have the chance to shine because he wasn't asked the questions that would have really um, made him shine like the things that he talked about, the issues he talked about at the end where he talks about how, you know, we have this um, resource rich country and yet we have so like devastatingly high levels of homelessness and you know poverty and um a lot of other issues and those are Bernie's chance to shine and like you said you know it's pretty expected that if he says that he's against um going into you know these fruitless wars it's pretty expected that that's true because of his reputation mm-hmm. his reputation is absolutely incredible and I yeah. That's my final thoughts. Do you guys wonder
1: why true. he always gets the first question in every debate. He's got, the, he, do you think they're least,
2: trying to catch him off guard? I don't And, know. and, I and, and on like that.
1: each round of questioning, like, okay, now we're going to go to far as policy Sanders. I don't
2: know. I,
0: I, I think that might just have something to do with the fact that, you know, he's
1: polling one of the highest. Well, I don't know. He's like, I, he's I, not I'm, the highest polar so, and his name doesn't begin so with an, if an A. <laughs> if I'm being cynical,
2: know. I'm being cynical, which I always am. Um, i i you know i think it is kind of clear at least to an extent that the mainstream media does not love bernie that's been really clear um and so one of my suspicions is that perhaps in asking him those questions first it gives the other candidates on stage time to collect their thoughts and it is a slight um bit of a disability to always have to go first um, and collect your thoughts and say them out first when everyone else has an extra, you know, two minutes to get their response in order. Yeah. If, if nothing else, I, I do think that um, it will be interesting to see in the next debates what they can do besides just trying to pit the candidates against each other so that we can see more questions that uh, Bernie can yeah. shine through.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. This has been another very long podcast. So let's go ahead and Finish up with Joe Biden. Right.
2: <sighs> Can we be finished with Joe Biden? Please?
1: <laughs> so, um, Mike, what were your thoughts on Joe Biden? So I thought this was one of the stronger performances that I've seen from mm-hmm. him. I thought so how was... much is that
0: saying? Well, the problem yeah. is that like, I'm
1: <laughs> I agree, definitely though. grading Joe on a curve. Like...
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is the gift to the bell curve.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Buffy. Yeah, so like he was definitely more coherent... He finished his thoughts more than usual. I thought he ran out of things to say. It seemed like a couple of points. Mm. He was like, Oh, okay. I guess my time's up. It's like, well, no, no, no. Yeah. They tell you when that Yeah, happens. he
2: was like, Oh, I'm just not going <laughs> well, to talk well over everybody. See the,
1: they do see right, a light. I think they
2: do
0: sure. see a light that flashes. I actually like a lot of people, uh, rat on, uh, Uh, joe biden for doing that i actually kind of respect that because a lot of the other candidates
1: you you agree with the iowans
0: (laughs) (laughs) well no i actually kind of respect the fact that um when he's out of time he's like okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take anybody else's time uh you gave me time i'm not gonna talk over people i'm just gonna say what i had to say i i i I disagree with people that criticize him for that
2: different interpretation of that Because he's never really saying much to begin with, besides the fact that he was Obama's VP, but also nothing bad that Obama did was ever his fault. It's quite easy for him to shut down and close up his sentences um, when the light starts flashing than it is for people who are trying to say, here's what I will actually do. Because it's a lot easier to say, I'm not going to change anything that Trump hasn't touched well, it's kind of an easy soundbite. I'm going to bring everything back to the way it was. Isn't this great? Well,
0: I think that makes me respect him even more because he knows that he has nothing to say. So he's not going to take anybody else's time by saying nothing.
2: Uh, <laughs> that he knows that he has nothing to say.
0: Um, one thing I will point out, which I, I, a lot of people were pointing this out on Twitter. He seems to end every, his, his closing statement, by saying, this is America, there is absolutely nothing we can't do. And I'm just like, really? So really? So Wait but That's your that's you your, that's your catchphrase? That. But you just spent oh. the last two hours talking about how we can't have Medicare for all, we can't pull our troops out, we can't have free college for all. What? Did, just did, find did he, another catchphrase, bro. <laughs>
2: what was it that he said that made me shriek where he said something, was it, we don't need Medicare for all?
0: It was something like, at some point he and said something remember,
2: like that. I remember, I was so upset I was like, you get to say that. Of course you do. You don't need Medicare. Um, and he said, we don't need Medicare for all. We can get there by expanding Obamacare, mm-hmm. um, which we can't. Um, and, and that, again, like that was so infuriating because beside the fact that he's not even saying, because there are a lot of candidates who say, sure, it would be great if we could give everyone insurance. And, you know, we really want it, but we just it's going to take time but for someone with the privilege of joe biden to say i remember how hard it was being a single father in the what in the 70s making forty thousand dollars a year forty thousand dollars a year in the 70s was not terrible yeah. um look
0: i do empathize with the fact that you were a single father you had a but tragedy but you were making guess, of you were course. making forty thousand dollars a year you you, were, you don't you were, know what
2: it's like to struggle you were talking about for many how years. a
0: senator's salary makes you relate to the working class Americans. Are you kidding me, bro? And, th-
2: and this is just another, <laughs> this is just another example of how out of touch yeah. Um, people like Biden can be. This establishment um, have been senators for so long can be in the same way that Bernie Sanders is an example of how they can't be for every time someone says, well, of course, Joe Biden um. Errors and makes mistakes when he talks about rights for women or rights for people of color or, or the way they're treated. And they say, Well, he's from a different time. Well, guess what? Bernie's older than him. Bernie's from a different time. Uh, you know, of course, Biden has faced this personal tragedy and that's horrifying. But Biden does not have any kind of um, true understanding, it seems, anymore of what. Um, So many people in this country face and their struggles. And so to hear him, even if you're being generous about his remark of, you know, these mothers are sitting their kids in front of the record player all day, and that's why they're not, you know, learning morals or whatever. That shows a huge lack of understanding about what it's like to parent a child when you are poor, when you have to work constantly, when the time, by the time you get home, you are out of energy, you are out of patience, and you are constantly stressed out thinking about how you are going to pay for everything. And you maybe didn't even have the resources or the examples that someone who maybe grew up in a wealthy um, area had. Um, so I guess what I would say is that Biden just really, really is a huge turnoff and it's not because he's old and it's not because he stammers and stumbles because, you know, all those things um, are not something he can necessarily help. But it's because he in his, in his um, most coherent moments shows a total lack of understanding of who is struggling in this country and how to help.
0: Yeah, he's still not the incredibly sharp guy that ran in circles around Paul Ryan. Mm.
1: Yeah, the um it's interesting cuz when he does say things that are not just like talking about why we can't do Medicare for all mm-hmm. or other things or why they're not a good option, cuz he does talk about more why more about why things are not as good as like his slightly less progr- like traditionally progressive options he talks more about like why they're actually not as good rather than just why we can't do them but the problem the problem i see is that when he does try to make a point he just says what we need to do and he has doesn't seem to have any plans for like how to get there to your point like we we don't need medicare for all we can do it with expanding the ACA how, how do we get to the 87 million people that are underinsured and cover the 30 million people that, you know, his like. His
2: platform and, is, you liked Obama, right? Right?
1: And like, yeah. it, and he talked about, you know, with uh, education and, and free infant care. He was like, of course we need free infant care. It doesn't seem like, it, it, it seemed like he had first heard that when he was on stage and was like, that seems like a That's really a good, good idea. idea. <laughs> and we're going to do it with his $8,000 tax credit. Is that enough for free? No. care? Is there like any cover? That doesn't Not seem like places. it's enough. <laughs> and also, like, and he said, also, we need to raise the salaries of people that are working, it, it, like in these facilities. How? What? Like, there's there was there's no follow up. It's like we need to do X. Yeah. No for details for good
2: things and against bad things. Yeah,
0: yeah. Basically.
1: All right. So, final
0: questions about the debate overall. Biggest losers, biggest winners. Jess, let's start with you.
2: Oh, all right. Um, I biggest guess losers. The biggest losers. Okay. Um, if I'm going based on how I viewed it, uh, I'm going to say that um, Steyer, because I forgot he was there. <laughs> and um, probably I would actually say Buttigieg was a little bit of a biggest loser there. Um, he was there. He did better than he did last time. He didn't um, irk me, but uh, I yeah. don't really remember much of what he did or said. Um... I guess I would put Amy Klobuchar in the middle because I think she wins because of the way that things get reframed and I also think that Warren was helping her because Warren wants her base. It's very clear Warren is like lusting after Amy Klobuchar's base and um and I think that by extension that did give Amy Klobuchar a little bit of credibility as oh you're up here with us. Mm-hmm. Um I think Warren ended up getting um, through nothing else, like through the context of how everything was framed, she ended up getting a little bit of a win there. But I think that Bernie held steady and I think that he had a good solid performance, but overall this debate to me was not really exciting or new.
0: Yeah, Uh, I would say the biggest loser of the night was journalistic integrity
1: (laughs) (laughs) on CNN, congratulations.
0: But if I were to talk about candidates, Steyer, again, he was just there. I don't think he's really going anywhere. He um,
2: Did he leave for 30 minutes and come back?
0: <laughs> uh, for Amy Klobuchar, look, it's the same damn cycle each time. Mm. She has a really underwhelming performance. The media goes gaga over her and say mm. she was the big winner. The polls go nowhere. She continues polling at like two or 3%. Mm. And and that's just how it stays. And like, if you want to call that Call her like someone who's sort of in the middle of a winner and loser. Then you can, but if her if her goal is actually to win the president, she was a huge loser that night because she she's not getting anywhere. She's Mm. never gonna get anywhere. She's continued to underwhelm everybody. Um, I thought Buttigieg again. He uh he didn't really do much more for himself there were there weren't any major moments for him and that is only gonna hurt him going into going into iowa i
2: think he's hungry and i think he's getting really really obvious about it
0: yeah uh michael
1: i think that um styer's the big loser mm-hmm. i believe because i mean of the same exact <laughs> reasons why he always loses like he made slightly better points but This time than last time, but Mm. he keeps pretending like he's really differentiated and he's really not. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, like, he's a footnote that will be forgotten tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, in my opinion, like, the winner was probably. I think I think Warren, I think she like landed a bunch of points. I think she made her points really well. Um, I think it she got slightly ahead of Bernie because I think she actually gained ground on the women like a mm-hmm. woman can be elected question. It got some momentum with that. Um and overall, I think one of the reasons is because she was not hit hard by anything. Like mm-hmm. no one was going after her. No like mm-hmm. I don't think she really took any hits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, winner, Jess.
2: I hate to say it. I think uh, that Biden ended up winning a lot because um, as Michael said, or he did his best performance yet. And granted, that's not very high. But Biden has already proved that he doesn't have to do he doesn't have to jump very high to clear the threshold of low standards. So, you know, unfortunately, I do think that he is going to get several people who are saying, oh, well, he sounded good tonight. Um, I think that uh, I think I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I think that because of the framing of the questions and things like that, um, to Michael's point, that Warren did come out a little bit more on top. And yeah, I mean, Bernie, I would say uh, he did as best he could. That night, I think he really did the best that he could for the most part. Um, Maybe with Michael's uh, point about the question about the um, trade agreement, he could have done a little bit better. But really, I think he did the best he could with the hands he was dealt, the hand he was dealt.
0: Yeah. Um, I would say, I would actually argue, and this might surprise some people, uh, I would argue that the big winner was Bernie um, Mm -hmm. because there were so many attacks that were lobbed at him. And I think he handled them very well. And he used this whole thing as a major uh, opportunity to get for fundraising. Mm. And there was a huge spike in fundraising after this debate. And if we're looking at the practical ways in which a person can really win, um, then there it is. I feel like the people that fell for the message of, oh, well, he's, Uh, He's definitely saying that a woman can't be president because he's sexist. Um, Those were people that already thought he was sexist, that Mm -hmm. just had their preconceived notions um, fulfilled. People that were kind of like uh, not sure about him probably saw that and were like, I I mean, they were either like, I don't know who to believe, or he made an argument for why he didn't say it, and then when they went to Elizabeth Warren, she just tried to brush it to the side. Mm -hmm. So he seems the more credible individual at this mm. point. Um, so I think, that, I think that that would make him a big winner, but I would also definitely agree with what Jess said. Another major winner would be Joe Biden because he didn't screw up. And I know that that's a low bar to set, but he didn't screw up. He didn't have any majorly bad moments. And considering the fact that he's already ahead in a lot of the polls and he's maintaining a lead, that's, that's winning. Yep. Um, powerful. For Warren, I to to your point, I wouldn't call her a winner, but I wouldn't necessarily call her a loser. I think her plan backfired, but I don't think she hurt herself any more than she's already hurt.
2: It was a small risk.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's finish this up with our highlights of the week. Michael, would you like to start? Sure. So um, as usual, my highlight is that I got to spend some time with Bree this past weekend. We had a wonderful time, and we are getting our apartment packed up, which is so exciting <gasps> yeah. that we're going to be able to be moving up here. So I did a ton of packing, and every, and lots of stuff is in boxes. So very happy for that progress. Get
2: to nice. You over for dinner? Yeah.
1: yeah. Jess, uh, what's your highlight?
2: Um, my highlight of the week was that I didn't have to go to work on Monday. And so I stayed here with Nathan this week, or this full weekend. So I got to spend more time with Nathan, and yeah, we got to watch some bad TV and all that good stuff.
0: Yep. Um, My highlight of the week was definitely being able to spend time, uh, extra time with Jess. You don't have to Um, say that
2: because I'm right here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it just
2: because. Not threatening you.
1: You always listen anyway, so it's not like it's not like you wouldn't find out. Yeah,
0: but also, uh, also, I'm really looking forward to uh, this next semester. I just got a additional paid gig at uh, the university um, as
1: a coach, and
0: I'm really excited to start
1: awesome. doing that. So that's my highlight of the week. Excellent. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another long debate recap. We hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time.